thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And we are really excited about today's podcast because it's actually going to be quite educational, one thinks. One thinks that um, the topic of dairy should be quite an interesting topic for those of us that um, loathe and detest it. And one thinks that the topic shall be quite interesting from the perspective of those that live for it, i.e. Cindy O'Meara, Kim Morrison. (laughs) (laughs) So one, being me loathes and detests the whole dairy thing because it's just kind of, you know, I don't know that it's cool. Were we ever born to drink the milk of an animal other than human? Mm. One would question, one being me, one would question, would we drink the milk of our hound that lies in the backyard once she's lactating? One would question... (laughs) Would we drink the milk of a pig that is lactating? One would question. Would we drink the milk of some other kind of animal that lactates? What other animals lactate? They all do. All mammals lactate. All mammals. Okay. Well, there's one's question to thou. Wow. Kangaroo. Don't they lactate? Don't they have their little They do. They do. Kangaroos lactate. Whales. Would we drink the milk of other animals? They're milk. Yeah, I think they're mammals. We're a bit stunned. Dolphins mammals? are mammals. Actually, Actually, I do believe whales I'm a, are. I'm a little bit whales stunned are. because you know what you've actually. You weren't expecting me to raise no. that. See, as soon as I say one, yes. it all of a sudden brings in another person <laughs> into the conversation, and then all of a sudden you can't shoot me down because it's not me, it's one. <laughs> I love you. But this is, the, this is the question around all of dairy that I've had for many, many moons is that. I would not, and we would not as humans, drink the milk of animals that lactate. At what point did we decide that it was acceptable to drink the milk of cows that lactate? And, you know, there's the whole question of the way that our dairy cows are cared for and the well, cruelty. Not cared for. Well, this is it. This is my point. This is, this is one's point. Um, but our cows are not cared for, and there's the whole ethical issue that gets thrown in there for one, hmm. being, one being me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I get that. And, and then that, one, and then one who comes from a very dairy country, where we've grown a dairy up. country, <laughs> a dairy country. country. We have New yeah. Zealand is the epicenter of mm. of dairy products. I thought it was sheep, and sheep. Mm. So you could have a drink of milk with a rack of lamb. <laughs> Yeah, go with that. Yeah, nice. <laughs> How's that working out for you over there? <laughs> but it's true. I mean, New Zealand is known very much for its its high-quality dairy products. And I, I just got back from New Zealand, actually, and I was just making the comment to my husband about, gosh, New Zealand cows look healthy. I mean, when I drive out to Kingaroy here in Queensland and I go inland, these cows look very dehydrated. Mm. I'm sure they're going to produce dry whey or something, but... The cows in New Zealand, they produce very, uh, you know, the milk rich. is, and it's rich, very and rich. the butter tastes amazing, mm. and everything dairy. I can see why New Zealand is a mecca. It's a very wet country. The grass is always green, so the cows eat 
what they're meant to eat. They don't get often... They get supplemented with hay. I've, I've stayed on a few farms at times and I've milked cows. I've been shat on by cows while I'm standing there milking the cows. And I don't little... blame them. Don't blame them. <laughs> You're pulling on my you-know-whats. I've probably shat on you <laughs> I would. Well, when I was on this farm in particular, of that. they always brought the bull through with his cows. So there was always one bull in the, is it a herd of cows? Yeah, it's a herd, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a herd of cows. So they'd come, he, the bull would come through and he'd come through and all of a sudden you'd look up and there's these big gonads looking at you, wouldn't you? And the farmer would say, give them a tickle while you're here. No, no joke. Serious. Serious. They're both looking at me very weird. <laughs> I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm still stuck on you um, shitting on me if I tweaked yours. Um, But, yeah, (laughs) from a a great height, let's just go there. From a very young age, we in New Zealand, we we grew up going to dairy farms. We saw how cheese was made. We watched cows being milked. That's a typical experience of a Kiwi kid. Well, I remember the milkman. I remember... Mm, You look quite like him, too. (laughs) (laughs) That explains everything. Oh my gosh. But anyway, I remember the milkman. And, and he used to be having on a horse and cart, and he would, you would hear him in the morning dropping the bottles off. Yeah, this was the 60s. Uh-huh. And he would drop the bottles off and collect the other bottles. And it, it came in this metal crate where there were four bottles. And yeah. mum would put in like two bottles if she wanted two bottles of milk. And she'd put the money in there and we'd leave it out the front of the we door. Did the we foods, did the same thing. It was a horse. It was a horse and cart in the beginning. And then it went to, oh, maybe I'm imagining the horse and cart. <laughs> Love. What was maybe, in the milk? Maybe it was. <laughs> maybe you saw that on a movie. Maybe I did. Maybe it was a That's truck. Like oh, maybe it was a truck. <laughs> truck. And it always smelt sour. Do we have to start this podcast again? No. Seriously. No. No, you know, sometimes you have this dream, and maybe it was a dream. It was a movie. It's a movie. I'm going to ask my dad. Yeah, I'll ask yeah. my dad. He, he will told remember. Stories. Yeah. But it's true. And we used to put out, and I tell you what <laughs> was the big was a truck. I tell you what was the big thing. Mum and dad owned a dairy. Now, a dairy in New Zealand is a milk bar. So when we were young kids, now we used to have to do the milk. The milk truck would come very early in the morning and mum and dad would go over. They'd do the bread and the milk. That's what arrived very early in the morning for the day's sales. But we used to put the milk bottle out, so a glass bottle. We'd put the dollars in the, or the mm. coins in mm. there. But you could the big thing that happened during my era of growing up was homogenization. So we all used to fight over the, the cream and the top of the silver top milk, and it would be whoever got there first would get the cream to go on the porridge and things like that. Whereas homogenization came in, and I remember my mum, who was very conscious, you know, she was a young, beautiful, fit, healthy looking woman. And she was so excited with homogenization because of the fat. You know, fat started to be spoken about as quite, I guess, a negative thing then, which I guess is why homogenization started. But then we went to blue top. And then the next big thing was green top, which was trim milk. So we just started going mm. down this whole path. And I also remember milk cost four cents for a litre and cream cost eight cents for half a litre. Cream was a lot more. Wow. And that was just when I was a kid. So that's only 30, 20... 56 years ago. 40 years ago. I don't think it was that long. Uh, But it's interesting, isn't it? Whereas our kids will never have an experience of of putting the milk out for the night, you know, the night before. Yeah, no. But you never know. Things are coming, you know, full swing and things are turning around. But, you know, the question is, should we be drinking milk? Mm. So let's go back in history just a little bit, like maybe... 
20, 30,000 years. So the thought was that when uh, the hunter-gatherer killed an animal, they ate every part of it and used every part of it. So let's say they killed a, a, a mother mammal, um, animal, they would have been drinking the milk at that stage. There's that thought that we were, even as hunter-gatherers, we did use the milk. There's also the thought that we had domesticated animals as hunter-gatherers and did use and drink their milk. Now, have we had a genetic change that we're able to do that? You know, there's some question about that. But if you read the blood type diet, and the blood type diet says that the blood type O's were the hunter-gatherers, the blood type A's were the, the agricultural revolution, but the blood group B, which he believes is the only people that can really successfully eat dairy, were from the herding society. Mm. So, you know, there are still societies that are still living on milk. Mm. Um, Somalia is one place where, you know, their biggest diet is the milk and the blood of animals. So, and I may have that wrong, but I do know that there are, are societies that have either drink the blood of the, the animal or drink the milk of the animal and use the, the product of that. So we know that there are still societies that do it and live quite healthy on it. So... Yes, we are the only animal that after we've been weaned, we continue to drink the, the milk of another animal. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it healthy? Should we do it? Um, who knows? But what we do know is that societies do it and we have been doing it. So the herding society, they believed, happened around 10,000 years ago. That was when um, we, we started to domesticate a lot of animals and started to uh, probably not eat their produce, um, as far as their meat goes, but started to to use the, the milk that we got from it and started to figure out how to make yogurts and cheeses and, and all of those things that we, we now enjoy today. So I guess that begs the question, um, should we be drinking it? So I want to just go back to what you were saying before, Kim, and that was the homogenization of milk. Mm-hmm. And the pasteurization of milk and the, you know, the fiddling with milk. So once upon a time, it was one bottle of milk with a silver top on it, remember? Mm-hmm. There was no skimming, trimming, revving, shaping, homogenizing, pasteurization. There was nothing. Well, the pasteurization did come in at that stage. But we now have one animal that we get lots and lots of milk, goes into tankers, and then hundreds of cows have produced a milk that goes into one bottle of milk. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer we're drinking just one animal's milk, we're drinking hundreds of animals' milk going into one bottle. You know, do you mm, see what absolutely. I mean? That's number one. That's that's one thing that I don't know if it's right or wrong, actually. I, I have a real struggle with that one. Number two, we started the pasteurization process. And the pasteurization process was that tuberculosis and, and brucellosis was indicated as something in, that was um, being passed through the milk of the cow. So in Australia, we started to pasteurise milk to get rid of brucellosis and tuberculosis. Then in 1978, um, there was a a vaccination campaign and a shooting campaign where they wanted to get rid of tuberculosis and brucellosis out of the cow population, both for dairy and otherwise. And they did. They eradicated it. But we continued to pasteurise our milk. Then nobody wanted the cream on the top anymore and they wanted milk to be, you know, um, something that was even. And so they started the homogenization process. And the homogenization process is where they force the milk through a very fine sieve and they break long chain fats and put them into very short chain fats that are not normally found in milk. And that's what 
creates that homogenization process rather than the cream on the top, we've actually, you know, it's all filtered through. All the milk is filtered through. Am I right in, in, in hearing that the homogenization process almost splinters the it, molecules? It does. Mm. It does. And, and what they're finding is that um, there was a lot of research done, this is years ago, 30 years ago, where the homogenization process is when we drink milk fat, um, it's a long chain of fat and it goes into the lymphatic system, it's cleaned out, processed, and then goes into the blood system and the body uses it. When we splinter the fat and make it into tiny particles, it misses the lymphatic system, goes straight into the blood system. It's one of the things that we believe is causing inflammation within the blood system, which then causes um, all sorts of problems, which we'll talk about in another um, podcast. But basically, it could be causing inflammation of the blood vessels, causing um, arteriosclerosis or calcified arteriosclerosis. So, you know, these are all the things that we're just beginning to find out, even though... We knew about this probably. I remember reading this research 25, 30 years ago. Then there's the skimming, the trimming, the adding of calcium. Fortifying. You know, fortifying, putting vitamin D in it, putting all these things in it. Like if you have calcified milk or milk that's got calcium in it, you'll find that there's a white chalky mm. stuff Powder. at the bottom. Yeah, well, you know, like it's cheap calcium. It's like dolomite, it's rock. You know, we don't eat rock for our, our nutrition. Why are we going to put calcium into our milk? So it's, it's become an industry where they're trying to keep up with everything. You know, they say there's a high calcium in milk, let's just add more and let's add it in the rock form. Um, you know, the fat's no good, let's take the fat out. Um, we, we need fish oil. I've seen fish oil mm. in milk. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's farmer's own. I don't know if it's still in New South Wales, but I remember looking at it one day and I read the ingredients. There was like 15 ingredients and the last ingredient was a fish oil. Now, if the cow is eating grass... He will actually have high omega three in his in the butter fat within the fat. She, she, she. Sorry, yes. Did I say he? Oh God! <laughs> you can tell it's been a long day for me. <laughs> Up very early. Um, so yes, she, her milk will have um, in the butter fat will have a high omega three. But if she's not having grass fed, she's not grass fed, and she's eating something else, then that omega three won't be there. And what what I find absolutely fascinating is that you know we kill the fish to get the fish oil yet all we have to do is eat a good quality butter and we will get the omega-3 or good quality meat and i know karen is going to have a fit here but a good quality meat will also which is grass-fed will also have omega-3 mm. mm. and this cow <laughs> this is going to be a really stupid question has a cow got four stomachs it's a root yeah it's a, it's a it chews its cud so it um eats the food and pulls it back up again and chews it. And, yes, it has... R- I thought it had six. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't a stupid question. No, Let it's me Google not, that. Yes, Google that. I'm not really sure exactly how many, but I know it's um, it does chew its cut. That's why you keep seeing it. Yeah, Bring, chewing it, all day. It regurgitates the grass, chews it, and puts it down again. Yes, you check how many stomachs it's got. <laughs> I had a, um, a, a grave misfortune of watching um, a documentary, and I, I, I don't even know what it was called or how I stumbled upon it. Um, but our cows have been fed in the f- um, uh, corn mm. because corn's a really cheap feed for them. And because their digestive system isn't structured to be able to eat corn, what lands up happening in one of their stomachs is their stomach blows up and it explodes, which obviously kills the cow. 
Um, and the, they, I, what I saw was these cows all on their sides being lifted with forklifts and dumped in these great piles, still oh, alive, but they were so seen there. They were so yeah, big and bloated that, that oh, they gosh. couldn't actually move. What was that food ink? Um, I food think ink. that was in food ink, the was movie it? food yes, ink. And, yeah. and they showed and they showed oh, that they just cut a big hole crazy. in the side of the cow. Yes, and it had a hole in it. To, and he put his hand in. Yeah, to pull out the, the corn because they can't they can't digest the corn. I think it's just amazing. Okay, so here technically a cow does not have four stomachs, oh, but rather oh. four digestive compartments within their stomachs. Ah, the four digestive compartments in order are one, reticulum, two, rumen, where the bacteria breaks down from cellulose to plant material, three, omussum, absorbs water and digestible nutrients, and four, abomasum, which would be the true stomach as in humans. But if you're asked the question, how many stomachs does a cow have, the simple answer is four. Oh, okay. We got that. Got it. Yeah. Well, no, it's kind of four, but sort of not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really helpful. So that then, you know, so they're called ruminants. Yeah. And yeah, they, but you know, they're used to eating grass and then you feed them corn Mm. and they're trying to regurgitate that corn up. That must be what's, that's what's happening. And the same, apparently I I read, I don't know if it was in the same documentary, the same is true of our farmed fish. They're feeding our farmed fish corn. Yes. And fish were never meant to eat corn. They don't eat corn. And I, I've heard they feed them a dye. Yeah, makes to keep them, them more red. And the uh, salmon. Yes, yes, makes the salmon red. Yeah, I've heard mm. that too. That's another Amazing. one that we can do. Yes, another podcast. But let's stick with the dairy at this Go point. With the but cows. then they put the fish oil in the yeah, dairy. Yeah, the dairy. And no, to increase the omega 3, all they have to do is feed it grass. You know, are the cows that we get from, you know, Paul's Milk or all of the big companies that are out there, you know, they're. F- Getting their milk from so many sources, are some grass-fed, are some grain-fed. Look, it would be lovely to have our own cow. It would be lovely, and then we'd, we'd know. But I think the, the issue is, um, should we be drinking milk? Mm. I think there are some people that can drink it, and there are some that can't. Um, a lot of our milk has been fermented, so in the way of kefir and yogurts and cheeses and soft cheeses, and um, all of these are a fermentation process where the milk is already pre-digested before we actually consume it. Mm. And they're saying that that is a better option for us. But that's there are the some way people, Indians, they, yeah, they the do way that they with their it. food, don't they? A lot of the yeah. indigenous cultures. Um, I just remember when we were on the farm staying as kids, we would we would be at breakfast and the farmer would bring the milk straight from the cow. It was still warm. Mm-hmm. So he'd done the milking that morning and <laughs> she's, um, but he would bring the milk in in a little pail. Like, it's actually really weird when you think about it. Well, it's not weird. It's actually beautiful. From that cow that had been milked, he'd bring it in. And the milk was very yellow. Mm. You know, it's not white like it is now. And then as it set, you know, and he was so proud to show us how the cream would then sit on the mm. top and all of that. Then we'd have it in the fridge. And uh, to me, that that's raw milk, isn't mm. it? That's mm. raw milk. So we're not allowed to sell raw milk. No, it's illegal. It's illegal in Australia to, to sell raw milk unless... You sell it as a, a, a skin product, cosmetic. a cosmetic, so mm. like Cleopatra's bath milk or Aphrodite's bath milk or just bath milk. Um, and that, the same goes with cream. Everything has to be pasteurised and even cheese. In Australia, you cannot make raw cheese, mm. um, but you can make it in Europe and then import it into Australia and sell imported raw cheese. It's oh, just wow. like the I, – I really don't understand why we we continue to do this. Like – the, the reason why we started to pasteurise milk was because of the tuberculosis and the brucellosis. The thing is, is that not everybody got sick. 
only people with immune um, who had compromised immune systems would get sick. So we're pasteurizing the milk for people who have, have suppressed immune systems. And we continue to pasteurize it. And it, what it does is it kills, one of the enzymes it kills is lactase. And lactase helps you digest lactose. And if you do not, if you have a genetic um, predisposition where you cannot, you don't make the enzyme lactase, then you're, ne- you're going to be intolerant to milk and you can't, you just can't drink it. But when you eat, some people can't drink milk, but they can have yogurt. Mm-hmm. And the Hindus are the longest um, civilization that has had a vegetarian diet. But they always um, would eat yogurts and kefirs and butters and ghees. And mm-hmm. they use, you know, the cow was sacred, but they use their the produce and they, they made things from it. Mm-hmm. And do you think today with milk, with the way it's all going... Is is the way we're manipulating the milk the reason why people have a lactase, a, an issue of not creating the lactase, or did that come before the milk started being interfered with? Look, I I, I think you know, like as um, as I said in the beginning, there are, are communities that that drink milk, and and as the blood type diet goes, is that they say that they're the B, the blood type Bs, and the ABs as well, by the way, because AB is a mix of blood type As and Bs, and they seem to be able to to drink milk. So, what was your question again? <laughs> All of a sudden, I went. Mm. Um, was it the lactase oh, was the issue, oh, yeah, yeah. or was it the the manipulation of the milk that caused oh, the lactase problem? I actually, I actually believe it's the manipulation of, of what we've done to the milk, what we've done to our cows, what um, we our pasteurisation, our homogenisation, the amount that we drink. We drink it every day. The dairy corporation, you know, have got their foot in the door with calcium, um, got their foot in the door that we should be having it for our protein. You know, so everywhere they can find us to drink more milk. And we've got dietitians and nutritionists that actually say, or actually are part of the dairy board, mm. and are saying we should be drinking this stuff. So were you part of the revolution that had to have a glass of milk at school a day? Yeah, Every single yes, day. Yes, so we weren't. Oh, weren't you? No, we were quite young. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> mind you, though, when I was a kid, we had the the milkman come to the door, and I used to. They were in six hundred mil glass bottles, and we would always get you know eight or nine glass bottles every week because there were five of us in the family, and I would scull a glass bottle oh. every day, mm. a six hundred mil glass bottle every day, straight from the bottle. They all knew that was yeah. mine. Um, and now I'm intolerant to it, obviously. Yeah. But it's um, uh, it, it, it was it was just part mm. of you know what we thought. And my mum always used to say to me that having a glass of milk was as good as having a meal. So if I didn't want to eat my dinner, um, she would just sit me down with my bottle of milk. I would drink that and happy days. And she would go to bed knowing that I had my nutrition because she felt that that was yeah. Well, that was not that she felt that, but that was how we were educated. That mm. a meal was in a glass, mm. and if you had two glasses and you were a growing kid like me then it was a good thing. See, I've always seen milk as a condiment, not as a food source. Mm. So use it to make some things if that's what you want. Or, or, and I mean dairy. I shouldn't say just milk. So to me, it's not a food source. And I would, I would never um, say to anybody now, have it in place of a meal. Mm. Because I think, number one, what we've done to our, our cattle. Um, and by the way, you know, a lot of our cows have mastitis. A lot of them are on antibiotics. But that's why they're on the antibiotics. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I've, just, I've been sort of going through a bit of an article here just in defence of our beautiful little cows. Mm. Um, what lands up happening is the calves... Well, it, it starts with the um, impregnation of the cow, um, which is brutal. And 
then they inject the cows. And there's been studies done, and they're not quite sure if this is how many farms are still doing this, but based on the increased volume of milk that's being produced, they're assuming that the, the, um, this particular practice is on the increase, where they inject the cows, pregnant cows, with corticosteroids to induce an early birth because they don't want the cow going full term. It's wasting money. So they want the cow in the milking herd sooner. So they're injecting our cows with the corticosteroids to induce an early birth. And for a lot of the situations, the cows are, the calves are being born um, and they don't obviously survive. But the ones that do survive, they're taken away within 12 to 24 hours of being born. Now, cows have got a real strong bond, like mm. elephants with their young. Mm. Um, and the cow goes into incredible stress. And I'm just reading here that um, the separated cows, obviously the separated calves are bewildered and frightened, but the mother cow will frantically bellow for days because her offspring's been taken away from her. And um, that happens to make sure, obviously to make sure that she continues to be milkable. And then a calf will drink from its mother for 12 months. So they've, they get that much time out of the milking for the cow. But interestingly enough, a normal cow will live, a healthy cow will live um, up to seven times longer than our dairy cows will. A cow that, a, a normal cow that's allowed to mm. be a normal cow, mm. that's on a farm, that's looked after and mm. loved and, you know, has its little calf and is allowed to suckle the calf and then, you know, we still take our milk as well. And that normal cow will live seven times longer than a dairy cow will live because of the mastitis, because of the antibiotics, because of all of the, the pain stress. and the stress the that stress. that cow goes through. And because the udders are left to get so big, it actually tears the ligaments and tears the muscles away. Mm-hmm. So then the cow's in incredible pain. But because the cow's producing milk still, we're going to milk the hell out of it. Um, or we'll give it more drugs to stop the pain and, so that we can get more out of it. And they kill the, the baby potty, the boy potties. Yeah. They, they kill, they within, kill them because within, they don't want the boys. And they're killed within five to six days. Yeah, they kill them. Do you know, when I um, was a, a teenager, I would go to a farm in Gumbauer. Um, and it was actually the main farm of Gumbauer, and the, the Johnsons owned it. And I learnt a lot about animals and horses and cows and they had the most beautiful cow there and every morning Jenny Johnson would go out um, and she would milk that cow and that cow I I remember it there for years and years and years we would go every year and she was treated like a queen an absolute queen and she had her babies and you know if there was no milk available then we didn't have milk Mm. you know and I remember we she would cook up porridge actually her mother lived on the property as well in a separate or, or in a, an adjacent house, and she would make the porridge in the morning in this big pot. Then the pot would come to the main house where we all were. The porridge would be poured out. The milk, the fresh milk, mm. would be poured on, and that was our breakfast. Mm. You know that that's how I remember it. One cow, not a hundred cows, contributing to one bottle. Mm. Um, we would scrape the cream off, mm-hmm. and we would have cream the next day. We would make butter, so we would churn the butter, and from that we'd have buttermilk, and then the buttermilk would be made to make pancakes. Mm. And then the whey, if we, you know, if there was any whey, um, if we um, made a culture from the, the milk to make yogurt, then we would sieve and get the whey out, and then the whey would make the um, sourdough for oh, yeah, for the bread. Right. Wow. So, you know, like it was... 
a normal it, it was process. It, it was a normal process and that's where I learnt, you know, everything about it. These days buttermilk, I look at buttermilk. It's not real buttermilk. All they do is get milk and put lemon in it. Buttermilk is when you separate the cream from, you know, you do the churning of the butter and you're left with the, the mm. buttermilk and, and makes a beautiful rich pancakes or, or, you know, foods like that. Well, when I used to do things like that, I don't anymore. Um, I made that for Matt, actually. Did you? Yeah, because Matt's big on his breads and butters and things. So I get the normal cream and I put it through the Thermomix and I, it separates the butter from the buttermilk. Mm. And then I take the buttermilk and make bread. And it makes the most beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yellow, golden. He and loves it. I think we've lost um, our traditional ways. I think we're also greedy. Well, and, and the commercialisation. Yeah. I, I don't know if... I, I don't think people are really aware of the commercialisation of our animals and what happens and how that milk gets into our container and how they're pasteurising as opposed to how they used to pasteurise. Like, I've heard that the pasteurisation process now goes through um, plates, like these these plates, and it's forced through these plates, which causes the damage of the protein. This is, you know, these are the things that I'm starting to learn, whereas once upon a time pasteurisation was, I thought it was poured heat. in a tank. It is heat. Oh, it is. Yeah, so they're hot plates, and they're forced through it, and it's the damage that's happening through it. So it used to be, I remember, large vats, and they would pasteurise in the large vats, but it takes too long to heat up and then to get it into the bottle. So now it goes through, um, you know, a quick, quick process. We've lost that contact with our food and we don't look at food the way it used to be there's no harmony there is no no harmony with this and it's become a very commercial process and i think if if people understand this commercial process they might start to really think about where they're getting their 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 dairy from and how the ice cream is made and and how cottage cheese is made and how um, feta cheeses are made and there's a beautiful lady up here in the um the hinterland um we live on the sunshine coast so there's a lovely lady up in the hinterland and she actually goes through the whole process of making cheeses, how a cheese is made, you know, how a brie is made, how a feta is made, how's a ricotta made, how's a cottage cheese made. And I love that, getting back to how all these things are made rather than just seeing it in a pot of plastic. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that Changing Habits is, is doing is bringing back the old-fashioned um, yogurt making. So instead of going to buy a commercial lot of yogurt, you can actually get the actual bacteria that makes yogurt and put it in there and produce your own um, yogurts, which are in harmony with the way yogurts were always made. Um, and I, I've, sp- I've spent four hours um, basically in this place in Italy that's been making cultures for cheeses and dairy since 1875 or somewhere like that. Same families owned it, same generation, you know, it's different generations, but the same family has owned it. And I started to really learn about what yogurt was. And so I came home and I started to read even what I thought was a good yogurt. Uh, And I noticed that they're putting milk protein concentrates in it. So that's called an MPC. And a milk protein concentrate is the um, waste of of, um, the dairy market. And they needed to have something that they could do with it. So they make oh. whey protein concentrates out of it, but they're adding it to our yogurts to thicken our yogurts unnaturally instead of the old-fashioned way. There's a product that I read ages ago, and I thought it was whey, but I was obviously wrong. That's that product is paint stripper and degreaser for your engine, and I thought it was whey. Oh, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's this. Was other. that permeate? 
I don't know. It was, oh gosh, it would have been about 10 years ago when I first started exploring mm. um, not doing the whole milk thing. And I remember reading something, and gosh, I wish I could remember it, where it was. I'll have to do some research yeah. on it and come back to you. Um, but it was that they, this, this particular product, a byproduct of a, of, of a milk, that, uh, I'm sure it was milk. Oh gosh, I could be lying about this now. Um, but the body couldn't digest it. Oh, sorry, no. Uh, it was it was non biodegradable. So mm. in order to get rid of it, they put it in our foods. They put it in paint stripper and um, engine degreaser and all of that sort of thing. And I thought it was whey. Am I? It am could I wrong? be whey or it could be permeate. And actually, I right. did read something about whey that it, um, when they're making the cheeses and everything. It, it does become a waste product, so maybe right. it's it's that what they're using. I don't have that knowledge, but we right. can always look that up. But one of the things that I found quite amusing is that um, permeate is another waste product of cheese making and, right. and in the dairy industry. I was going to ask you what that is because that's a big thing now, where they're saying our milk doesn't contain permeate. Yeah, yeah so permeate was always added. Um, because it, it increased the protein volume of the milk and it was just something that they did. It was a waste product and they put it in there. And then they get caught. This is what happens is the big companies got caught putting permeate in, which is known as the waste product. And they created this whole campaign about that they were permeate free. So ah. for the companies that were not putting permeate in, they were always permeate free. It was it was never something that was done. But the big companies were putting permeate in to increase their profits ah. and to increase the volume of the milk. Yeah. And they said about protein, etc. So then when they got caught, they had to remove it and then they put on their packaging permeate free as though they were the big wigs. Oh, oh it really God. annoyed me. It annoyed me. Mm. I just went, oh, my gosh, when they get caught, then they're going to make out they're permeate-free. Then all the beautiful boutique dairies mm. that have always been permeate-free, yeah, yeah. then, you know, they're going to lose their market share because people, uh, they just don't think. They just don't understand what's happening. Well, nobody even knows what permeate is, though. When they mm. started running the campaign saying mm. that they're permeate-free, everybody was thinking, well, what the hell is permeate? Yeah, they just wanted to, you know, have a point of difference in the market when in actual fact they were adding permeate if you'd had a, a look. They got caught, basically. But, our, like, you know, our beautiful local dairies such as Cleopatra's Bath Milk or Mulaney Dairies or Kalula Dairies were, you know, they're our boutique milk. And, if, like, really, the way I look at it, if you want to buy milk, buy boutique. Yeah. Buy your small dairies. Mm. And if you want to um, find a farmer and, and have a share in his cows, because that's how you do it, you can actually buy real raw milk by, by having this type of um, share. In the, it's the only legal wow. way of doing it. Wow. Mm. It's, yeah, they do it here on the coast. They do it in a lot of places. You know, Western Price um, have a beautiful... Western Price um, Chapters or Foundation has a place where you can go and you can go to the Australian chapter of it or wherever you are in the world, you can go to it. And you can actually look at and finding these boutique dairies and people who will find these raw dairies for you. You know, like, I'm just talking about Australia, but like I said, we have a worldwide audience now. Yeah. So yeah. you have to find out in your country whether mm. you can buy raw. I was in England... Um, with Janie, who is the um, head of Thermix in England, and we found a dairy that had raw milk, and we just went in and bought it from the shelf and oh. or from the fridge. It was. It was just, wow. you know, it's really cool. So, it really depends on what country you're in and what's right, what's legal, and what's not legal in America at the moment. What they're doing is some states are allowing raw milk, whereas other states are not allowing it. Yeah. What was interesting is, and I think this is a really good story, is when I first came to the Sunshine Coast, I found um, pet's milk. 
So it was milk only for your pet. Yeah, well, what's that about? Yeah. It's a lactose-free one, isn't it? No, this was back years ago. Right. So it was called Pep's Milk, and it was raw milk. Yeah. Oh my and I used to buy two litres for $1.45. Yeah. Yeah. And and I knew that it was just raw milk, and it was, it was this person's way of selling milk. Yeah. Because of him, they put in legislation <gasps> that you could not give your, your animals raw milk. So he had to change his name from Pet's Milk to Cleopatra's Bath Milk. Ah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's why it went from Pet's Milk because of the legislation. Now, the cosmetic industry is far bigger. And for them to come down on the cosmetic industry that you cannot have any raw material or raw milk or raw dairy or whatever it is. It's also far less regulated as well. Is it? Far less regulated. Far less. So he was able to do that. But I spoke to um, this beautiful man, this beautiful dairy man, and I said to him, you know, what if they come down with that? He said, I'll use it as, as plant fertiliser. I'll sell it as plant fertiliser. I'll find a way. I'll find a way. <laughs> he says, nothing will stop me from selling what I believe is a pure food. So, wow. yeah, he said, I'll just, I'll just call it plant fertiliser. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant, you know. When are they going to stop that? So yeah. some of the ingredients that they use milk so, sorry, so some of the products that they use milk in, say like ice cream or, yeah. you know, if I, when I'm standing at the counter at the supermarket and you look in the dairy section, I used to say the, the, the best place to walk around in a supermarket is around the outside. Now I avoid the bread section. Fruits and vegetables are highly sprayed and I freak over there. And do the you know meats... what I've just learned about fruit and veggies? Mm-hmm. Is that one of our major supermarkets here in Australia... Um, they have a policy that before the customers come in that they spray fly spray over our fruits and veggies. No way. Yeah. Oh, that actually makes me sick. Yeah. Mm, I don't know it for sure. This was an ex-employee who actually told me. Well, you could imagine that because they would have fruit flies fly. law because yeah. all the fruit is yeah. off. And he was in Queensland. He was in Queensland. So maybe it's in our, in our subtropical, tropical region. But they, fly, they put fly spray um, oh, you'd see that. I could see that. that. I know. So really, well, being being the person who goes around the outside of the grocery store now is something where we go, let's no, just no, stick no, to no, our I, local produce. You know, that's what I'm going to say. I've just changed my philosophy. I used to, my, Ten years ago, I would say, don't go up the middle aisles of a supermarket. Do your shopping all around the outside. Now today I'm going, actually, you know what? Go to your farmer's market. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And just go, go to your local yeah. market. Just go to the shopping yeah. centre for toilet paper. Yeah, well, that's all you need. Um, yeah. And you can go to pharmacists for that now. Yeah. Or Big W or one of your... Any, any store Anyone, has it any now. Any store's got it. Um, I, with our Thermomixes, we make our own ice cream, mm. which I love. Um, and I've always, I, I do enjoy ice cream. I probably don't enjoy it now as much because I don't eat as much dairy anymore. But it was one of my treats for me, ice cream. And living in New Zealand, ice cream is big. Hokey pokey, say no more. Um, <laughs> but what is extraordinary is when my children were born and then I started getting, you know, they might have a little bit of ice cream. It actually started freaking me out over the years. So I've got a 15 and a 13-year-old. The ingredients in ice cream has changed mm. quite significantly. Oh, massively. Mm. And ice cream ain't ice cream anymore. Mm-hmm. No. no. It's, it's a bunch of colours, additives, um, fillers, thickeners. Uh, I don't even know petroleum. if there's much cream in there I anymore. I don't know products. that there is even cream in there. I don't know. I, I think I, from the one that I used to get for Matt, because Matt's a big, big ice cream lover, He's reduced from four litres a week down to two. Oh, you're doing well, darling. I know. Oh, my I God. Know. 
but it's good because he eats my thermi ice cream. Well, that's oh. good. Yeah, that's I make good. him thermi ice cream. He does us. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but see, because now he's getting the beautiful, rich, gorgeous, natural ice cream that I make him. And does he wants he, less of it? I was going to say, and he probably wouldn't even want to eat that stuff anymore, would he? Well, no, he's tempted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 On Not a quite there yet. On a bad day. No, he's tempted with Mr. Whippy Van. You know, the little van that comes around with a little music on the thing? Yeah. The worst kind. The worst kind. Now, is it true in McDonald's and places like that that do Pig fat. Sh- yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what I've heard apparently. too. Apparently. Pig fat. Apparently. Yeah. Don't know. Just saying. Yeah, we're just saying. We just don't know. But um, there's some weird things that are happening out there in the food industry, and, I, and I'm never surprised anymore. Well, here's my tip. Here's yes. my hot tip of the week. Ready, everybody? My hot tip straight from Kaza to you. <laughs> Kaz's corner. Kaz's couch, Rocky. Kaz's couch. Kaz's couch, we're on it. Go the nut milk. Oh. Freeze. Freeze the coconut cream. Freeze the coconut cream in ice cube trays. Shut the front door. (laughs) Throw in some frozen strawberries. Little bit of raw cacao. A smattering of something fabulous like some of... um, um, that uh, rapidura sugar dissolved. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the Malayo. Malayo. Stop it, stop mm-hmm. it, stop it. And then throw that through the blender or the Thermomix mm. with half a banana just to give it nice, thick oh, consistency. OMG. Or, better still, better still, ready? <laughs> better still. Kaz's Kitchen, not Kaz's Corner. Full couch. Throw in um, some cashews that have been soaked overnight. With some, um, what are those big ones? Brazil nuts yeah. that have been soaked overnight. Yeah. I'll stop it because that just adds a little bit of crunch to your ice cream. Because the cashews go beautiful and soft, but the Brazil nuts they stay a little bit hard. Mm. So throw those in with um, with some uh, coconut cream and uh, frozen frozen coconut cream mm. cubes with strawberries and a little bit of banana yeah. and or cacao or mango cheeks. O M G. Can you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> Do you know one of the ice I'm creams? Rocking. Oh, yeah, I'm she rocking. Is rocking. Yeah, she is rocking. She's rocking. Yeah, she is. Do you know one of the ice creams that Tanya and I always make? Um, we always freeze our bananas and we put frozen banana and the soaked cashews. Oh, and that's yum. it. Oh, and macas or macas. You could do oh, it with macas. Yeah. Macadamias. Yeah, and macadamias. And we just put that in oh. and we churn it. Yeah. And then I make up a coconut and rapadura, coconut milk and rapadura sugar syrup. Praline, like and, a praline. Like a praline. And then we just throw it in. Just hey, throw it in. and now let me, tell you, let me tell you something <laughs> else on that note. Oh, now I, I could cry. Your cacao wafers Ooh. and some rapadura sugar and coconut oil, melt a little bit of that in a pan. Mm. When you're doing the second freeze of your ice cream, mm. so you know how you do your first freeze? No, don't do that we, at all. Well, you got to, if you're making normal ice cream, you will heat the milk and melt the sugar and the vanilla essence and the egg yolks. It'll all mix. And then you put it into the freezer and it does its first freeze. Then you've got to take it out and you actually then churn it again in the thermix because it separates. You'll get the cream and the oh. and the and the more milk. It goes quite yellowy on the top, but by churning it a second time makes it go beautiful. It's at that point. Are you ready for this one? This is how they make stracciatella ice cream in Italy. So on the second churning, they pour melted chocolate through it. And you know how chocolate, then when it hits well, cold, it, just, it goes all bitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get like all these tiny little chocolate oh. chips. Shut the front door. Go home. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> oh. 
You can tell we're excited about ice cream. Oh, homemade <laughs> only. Yeah, and this is the thing: is that most you people do don't realise how quick it is. You could do that with coconut yeah, cream. Yeah, because I yep. so would not put a raw egg in my ice cream. No, shoot me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. Sure no never going to happen. No, okay, no. so just just not happening. For those of you that still wash. buy ice cream, okay, you got the ingredients. So it used to be. Well, how we make it, cream, egg, yolk, sweetener, as in some sugar and vanilla extract. That's mm-hmm. the basics of ice mm-hmm. cream. And we know how to make our own vanilla extract now. Now with mm-hmm. vodka and mm-hmm. your things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about some propylene glycol, <gasps> ethyl acetate, and oh. yellow dye number five. Um, let's add in some things. It says, it, it says here, ice, ice cream used to be a treat. Now it's a threat. Oh. I like that. Yeah, yeah, but it's true. It is. It's, it's a chemical. If you don't concoction. eat that, it's a threat. A threat so, to your life. So aldehyde is in it. <laughs> Who was? Um, aldehyde C17 flavoring for cherry ice cream. And remember, flavoring's got 48 chemicals in it. 48 chemicals. Yep. Um, ethyl acetate vapor has been known to cause chronic lung, liver, and heart damage. And then they often say that commercial ice creams today not only have. Um, Mono and diglycerides, disodium phosphate, benzyl acetate, monosterate, <laughs> propylene glycol, sodium benzoate, polysorbate, sorbate 80, potassium sorbate, modified cornstarch, soy lecithin, high fructose corn syrup. Um, do you want me to go on? And then it says, and this is the best part. Oh, most of your ice cream that you buy in a supermarket in a commercial is actually air. They whip it. So that you actually, if you let ice cream melt, oh yes, it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen that. Yes. So hello. Well, you know that that recipe list sounds like some um, skincare products that I threw out a couple of weeks ago. The glycol, the propylene glycol, the sodium benzoate. Whatever, whatever. Whatever started this? Do you know what? I want to go and get some Domestos and see what's in that. I reckon it'd be the same stuff. I I do too. I just am blown away that. They're allowed to sell this as food. I don't get it. I don't get it either. And, you know, it is easy to make your own ice cream. There are lots of recipes There's out there. There's five ingredients in Sally Fallon's Nourishing Tradition book. You know our favourite book, yeah, Nourishing Tradition? I love Sally, Sally Fallon. Sally Fallon, She is wicked. You should all get a copy of that book. Um, but her recipe, which is ours, three egg yolks, half a cup of maple syrup, tablespoon of vanilla extract, one tablespoon of arrowroot, and three cups of heavy cream. There you go. Done. Ice cream. And, you know, the thing is, is that I think we've been duped. And we, they know how to think, make ice cream taste and have the texture, but it's not real. It's, you know, it's, as you read, those chemicals are terrible. I remember when I went to the States many, many moons ago. I was 19. Yes, it was about two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to the States. Well, it wasn't She's the States. She's wise for 21, isn't she? Aren't I? Mm. Mm-hmm. A little wrinkled too. Mm. Life's She's been had hard. had a hard life. Life's been hard. <laughs> but I went to Hawaii and um, got a taco. And instead of having meat or mince in there, there was meat-flavoured meat flavored paste. Nice. Meat-flavoured paste. Nice. Yeah. Mm. From Taco Bell? Mm, that's not good. Nice. That's not good nice. at all. So I think this is the thing, though. I think we've, we're such a hungry planet and we're such a, a planet of consumption that we're coming up with all these other ways of making chemically-based foods just to make it go further. But the other side of it, though, is that we're abusing our animals dramatically. And we're and abusing lost... our bodies. Yeah. We're well, abusing everything. You know, there's a book that you know, I bought with you. we become angry and depressed and upset. And, oh. I know. Remember, do you remember when we were at the Crystal Castle? We bought that book by that mm. Michael Tuttle, The World yeah. Peace Diet. Yeah. 
And he actually says in there, which I think is so fascinating, and I know that this is not a podcast uh, you know, to be on a soapbox about animals, but I, th- I think that there was probably a bit of congruence there mm. in that what we, do to our, what we do to each other, we're doing to our animals. We're enslaving each other, we rape each other, we abuse each other, we trap each other. We are angry, we are bitter, we are twisted, and we do all of those sorts of things to our animals too. You know, we rape our animals, we, 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 we pillage our animals, we trap them, we keep them enclosed, we abuse them. We give them drugs. We give them drugs. We feed them the wrong foods. And we force feed them. them. We force feed them. We just... And then we go and eat them. So, I mean, those cows, those those, those cows... That that energy is coming into Well, it can't not have an influence. I mean, just even thinking about dairy alone, injected with the corticosteroids, having the babies taken away from them, the stress that that would cause on an animal... Mm. I mean, imagine that on a human... Mm. But the stress that that causes to an animal, and then we go and drink that milk. Mm-hmm. What has actually happened to that? And the It'd consumption. Mozimoto, whatever his name is. Miyamoto. That, <laughs> that's the one. Well, if he photographed the molecules of, 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 milk. of milk like that, I think it would be fascinating. Our milk, our cows now. One cow is producing up to fifty liters of milk a day. Fifty liters of milk. One cow. Oh, wow. 50 litres of milk a day. So they get milk twice, don't they? Yep. Morning yeah, and yeah. morning and And you see those big udders. They're, and, they're huge. And they can yeah. hardly walk. Yeah. Um, so let's look at alternatives to the milk. Let's look at the nut milks mm-hmm. that are out there. So if we look at the commercial nut milks. Oh, don't do it. Yeah, no, there's no... Yeah, no they, they've got it. sunflower oil in them, they've got guar gum, they could have carrageenan. in. There, there's so many things that they're adding. They add sunflower oil or they'll add canola oil to it. If you really... You need to read... Flavouring. Some of them yeah, have flavouring. some of them have flavouring. When I first got off dairy and I was drinking um, almond milk, I was buying an almond milk that had 11% almonds in it. Oh, nice. 11%. Okay. And I was struggling to get anything that was over 11%. There was an 8% and a 4% and an 11%. How do we make a nut milk then? Well, I have a good rule of thumb. And like my favourite at the moment is Brazil nut milk. It is just absolutely beautiful. You like your big nuts, don't I do you? Like oh, did you say <laughs> that you did? Of course you're going to go there, skanky home. But I love my Brazil nut milk. I really do. But I make almond milk and I make, um, you can make sesame seed milk. You can make, there's so many milks that you can make. Any nut that you've got, cashew milk, you can do it. So what I do is I soak my milk. I'm so sorry. Nuts. My nuts. <laughs> you should always have soaked I nuts. I soak my nuts. This is my rule of thumb. 80 it's... grams of nuts. To 400 ml of water. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the rule of thumb. Soak your nuts. Soak your nuts people. overnight. And then there are two ways that you can um, produce the milk. You can I, you can throw it in your Vitamix or your Vitamizer or your blender or your Thermomix and blend it until it's really fine. And then you can put through a nut bag and a nut um, milk One bag. One might always have a nut bag. Nut milk bag. A nut milk bag is you can buy them at the health stores. They've usually got them. Or you can just go get some muslin. I was going to say muslin Just cloth. muslin cloth. Okay. Yeah, just from down the road. So what I, I usually do is I have my glass jar or a big glass um, pot. I have um, a sieve and my muslin cloth. And then I would pour that through and wait for it to sift through. And then I pull up all the sides of the muslin cloth and I milk it like a cow. How cool. To get the rest out, I milk it like a cow. So that's one way of doing it. But I find I was wasting way too much mm-hmm. nut, mm. just wasting way too much, and I didn't know what to do with it. And somebody said you can dry it and make flour, um, or I could throw it in my compost. But I felt like I was wasting beautiful mm. nut. So I actually bought myself a machine. What yeah. machine? What machine? 
Yeah, did you get two? Did you get two? Did you, I get two more? No, I did it, but I you can buy you one. See, so you listeners need to understand the rule oh, of I thumb with this. the Up For A Chat girls is if one it. person buys something, they actually have to buy three. And clearly the rule has been broken. We don't know about it. I don't know what you're talking about. And no. when I find out I'm going to launch across this table, you will <laughs> find me, me on... No, I will be on your lap. <laughs> Yeah, what did you purchase? All right, I purchased um, a machine that I was told was the best thing for nut milks, and it's called a Hurum. It's called a H-U-R-O-M. It's world available worldwide. I'm looking it up. I'm it's, looking it up. She's going to buy one. H. But I can I can get you one wholesale. I just need you to know that. Okay. Oh, everyone's going to know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. H-U-R-O-M. H-U-R-O-M. Hurum. Don't believe it. I can't believe you even told us about this. Oh, this is so rude. This so is why we have podcasts, no, no, so we can teach each other no, things. this is selfish. <laughs> My husband said to me, Howie says to me, he goes, I thought we bought the Thermomix so we didn't need anything else. I said, oh. the Thermomix does a great job, and if you don't make a lot of nut milk, it's perfect, but my hurum... I tell you what, the the oh. amount of um, it's like a juicer. The ma- yeah, it's a juicer, but it's the best thing for nut milks. The horum. Could I use my own juicer? I've got that Lexan juicer. You can try, try your own juicer. But the juicer I had, and I can't remember the name of the brand, didn't do it. Okay, Just so didn't do so it. So spill your guts. Tell us. So what I do is I soak. I can, if I want a sweet milk, I actually say soak my dates in there as well. Oh, so I'll say. Yes. <laughs> so oh. I'll soak you, about 10 dried dates in there that haven't got any palm oil or any oil on them. In the hurum. In the, no, not in the hurum. This I'm still in soaking. I'm still in soaking. So I'm okay. soaking my nuts, my dates, and my water. Okay. And then I put it through the hurum, and a really, like, very little of the of the nut is left, and the rest is juice. So I've made... What does it actually do then? Does it make the particles so fine that you're keeping more of the nut in there? It, yeah, it does. It actually makes it easier... Now, now, listeners, they are retailing at $400. Is that a reason why we thought she couldn't get the two? Three <laughs> extra? Oh, two that extra. means it would have cost me $1,200 for the three. I don't think that's any excuse. I don't either, actually. If she'd rung us, we would have said go for it. <laughs> too right. Too right. Okay. So, so that – and how much milk do you get out of that 80 grams of nuts with 400 mils of water by the time you've sieved it and horumed it? Well, um, so I probably put um, – I do double of that because I want to get at least a litre. Um, but this is what I was doing in the Thermomix. What I do with, and blenders and things like that, what I do with this is I actually would probably put, I've got to think of how much my, my jar is, because I have a standard jar. Um, and so I probably put in a litre of water to 160 grams of nuts, and then I would probably put in a 10 dates into that. Wow, that's not a lot of nuts. I don't do no, anything like that. No, it's not a lot. And then you put it through that and you'll get a litre of water out of it. You'll milk. Get, uh, of milk. <laughs> yes. Isn't that milk. interesting? Liquid. I, I think I must make my nut milk too strong. I love strong nuts. Well, you know what? <laughs> it, the, the, the thicker you want your milk and the stronger you want your milk, the more nuts you put in it. It yeah. depends on what you like, but that's my rule of thumb. That's how I do it. Do you think what, if, if Kaza does that, then surely you could do what you do with coconut cream and just add yeah. a bit of water. You do it with coconut cream. Bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so with this beautiful milk. Here we go. Oh, Here we go. I've been making the most amazing chai teas. So I make my own chai tea, and then I I do about. Have you? I just I just want to check with you, Karen. <laughs> no, she hasn't invited me. No, over. no. <laughs> and how far apart do we live from here? Really? Oh, three minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, you know. I don't know about you. You oh, no. girls have to realise I'm, I'm right. making something I new. Think we need to leave. I, I think, think it's time. Finish the podcast. It's your it's your podcast now. 
Over to you. Yeah. Up for a chat with Cindy. (laughs) How does that sound? Yeah, not very communicative now, are we? No, no. Carry on. Please. (laughs) Kim, I'm going to be ordering a Huram online. Would you like one? Honey, (laughs) are you serious? Thank you so much for thinking of me. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Nice. I said I could buy it wholesale. What colour would you like? White, black, silver, dark grey, red? <laughs> red or ivory. Are you on an Australian one or an American one? Because remember, then you'll have to pay postage and handling. I can get I'm it to on... you at my office. Oh, now she's coming up. Now she's she, coming no, up. She's with trying to make up for yeah. it now. So, and do you know what? Why don't we make it if somebody wants to buy a hurum that they... Facebook us. Facebook us and, and we'll we can get do it a bulk for them. order. We'll do a bulk order. There Done. you go. Bingo. Done. All right, you're back in. Right. All right. I'm back yeah, in. Okay, okay, you've made up for it. All right. <laughs> <You> made up. <laughs> okay, so we need to put a date on this, though. We need to put a, an right. end date because this All podcast right. could... Everybody will be listening to this podcast, like, next mm, week. That's true. But they can always buy it from Changing Habits. Oh, they can? Yeah. Oh, you can get your home from Changing Habits. Who, 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 My husband's going to kill me. No, you can't say that. No, let's put a date. While you can't... Look, we're coming to the end of the podcast. There was one other question. I'll work out a date while you're doing this. One other question was, um, what? What about about? milk? Yeah. (laughs) Look at you, Cindy. Oh, my gosh. You were going to tell us what you do with your beautiful milks. And and, and talk about calcium to finish up. Okay. So what I I do with these milks is I'll make lattes or chai teas or um, I'll use them in my recipes. Um, You know, so I don't buy milk anymore except to make yogurt. That's the only time I would buy it. Um, Could you make yogurt with the nut milk? Well, I haven't tried it, and you know what? That's probably something that I need to experiment. Well, we have done it with the coconut milk, and so I'll also, and it works. Yeah. So cashew nut milk, because a cashew nut yogurt would be spectacular. Because mm. with my oh. cashew nuts, mm. with my cashew nuts, I, I don't know, I, I take a bowl and I fill the bowl with nuts, and then I cover the the nuts with water, plus an extra two centimeters, and then I soak that overnight, and then I rinse them, and then I put them through the, the thermomix. Sometimes I might soak them for it overnight and the next day just to get a little bit of extra softnessity. Do you them. change the water? Softness. I do. I yeah. change the water twice. Um, and then I throw them into the thermi and I let thermi do her work for two full minutes. And by then, the cashews have been completely um, pulverised and, and you can't sift it. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, you can't sift that's it. That's even better. And depending on so how... So you can th- shove your hoo 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 room. Well, can you do that with Brazil nuts, though? <laughs> well, the Brazil nuts are harder. Yeah. So it'll only be the cashews because it's softer. Cashews or macadamias. Uh, macadamias you could probably do it with. Probably with macadamias. Okay. I haven't tried We're going to do some experimenting, right? Yeah. But then, but let me just tell you, with, okay. that, with that beautiful Go. thick cashew, you can either add water and make a milk or throw a bit of salt and pepper, dash of lemon juice, and you have the world's most fabulous, hello, wait for it, mayonnaise with the lemon juice in it. Stop it. Shut the front door. I can see your faces. Really? I know. Rabbits in headlights you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's absolutely spectacular. So if you took that... So your th- nut milks are quite thick. Well, then. the cashew one I do make quite thick because I use it as a... I, I make it thick and then I separate it. So I have a little jar over here that I use for my mayonnaise. Yeah. And I have a little jar over here that I use for my cream when I want to put it over my bananas with a little bit of mm. rapidura sugar or some mm. coconut sugar syrup over the top for nice. a dessert. And then I have um, a jar over here for my milk, which I'll use when I'm making my extraordinary nut porridge. And so you um, haven't tried that with like a chai tea or anything like that? Have you made? I put. It, I have. Well, I haven't. I ha- no, I've used it as a milk in my coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that works well. It separates. Yeah, in that's the coffee. Mine. Yeah, whereas yeah. mine separates. doesn't separate. 
Mine does not separate. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> look at its nose in the air. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> horses for courses. Off. Horses for courses. So the cashew would be great for all of these other things. But, like, there's so many... This is the thing, is that she we She really think, is the milkman's daughter. Yeah. She yeah, really is. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually saying, you know, maybe milk's not the good thing. Let's go for these nut milks. And these nut milks are absolutely beautiful. Mm. Well, it makes sense, Cindy. I yeah. mean, back to you, my very first point. Okay, so point. here's the question We then. can't be born to drink cow's milk. Mm. Okay. She's stressing. I'm hearing it. But now's the que- a question that a lot of people will say is because of the marketing and the way we're, mm. we're taught and everything. But I might not get enough calcium yes. from a nut milk. Tell, yeah. Give us that Do one. Tell. All right. So one of the things that we realize is that if the milk is whole in its whole state, we can absorb more of the foods that are in there, such as the protein and the calcium. With um, milk calcium, we actually, it, it might have, let's say, uh, let's just say 100, I'll just put a number on it, but mm. we might only absorb, absorb 40% of it. Any calcium they add to it, which we talked about before, is usually a calcium carbonate, which is usually um, a rock calcium or a coral calcium. We can't absorb it. And in actual fact, what happens, most of it you will just poo out. <laughs> Sorry about that. You will, it will just pass out through the system. Yeah. That that is absorbed, if it is absorbed, the body doesn't know what to do with it, and it runs free through the blood system. And if you have an inflamed blood vessel, then it will get stuck, basically, in that blood vessel, and you'll have calcified arteriosclerosis. Oh, wow. It also, we're finding that it causes more lipping and spurring on the bones. So that's one problem um, that we're finding a lot of because of people taking calcium supplements as well as that calcium in the milk. So, look, my thing is, is that there's lots of calcium that we can get from um, green leafy vegetables such as kale and things like that. There's now a calcium supplement out there that is from plant-based, not from coral and not from a rock base. So be very, very careful with your calcium supplements. Be very careful with the calcium that's added to milk and you will not absorb enough calcium from most of the milks out there. So it's a marketing ploy. It's a marketing thing. It always has what been. About, okay. What about dairy milk lovers? Glass and a half, you get your calcium mm, needs. No, mm, no, no. Glass and a half of milk in each mm. block of chocolate. It's, it's, all, it's all marketing. Remember, marketing is not there to tell you the truth. It's there to sell a product. Mm. And I think people need to be aware of that. And, you know, the whole food pyramid thing where milk should be a big part of our diet, I actually think that dairy is a condiment. Use it um, sparingly. Use your yogurt sparingly. Use everything um, in that way. Like there's beautiful cheeses out there, by the way, that are fermented, that are great for the gut. But that's the old-fashioned fermented cheeses, not the cheeses that are out there at the moment. Even our hard cheeses, we shouldn't be... A lot of these hard cheeses have to be refrigerated. In the old days, we fermented the, the milk, we got the whey out, we are left with the cheese, we wrapped it in wax... Did never need to be refrigerated. No. Is that right? No. no. Never needed to be refrigerated. Mm. Or wrapped in a cloth. What, yeah, what, or wrapped in, wrapped in cloth, cloth. Or we didn't have to do what we're doing today. So our cheeses are not being made the proper way. Um, I have seen vegetable oil in some cheeses, which is no need for that. Mm. You know, there's no need. So, you know, the whole idea of it is that use it as a condiment. Use the best that you can get. Um, and for your milks, Go for Look for your nut milks. Unhomogenized. Unhomogenized. Pasteurized only is the only legal one you can do. If you want to go for the unpasteurized milk, then of course that's illegal. But there are ways around that. 
Um, Make your own ice cream, for goodness sake. Yeah, do don't not do not eat ice, ice cream. Don't um, go to dairy. What's those whip thing? What did you call it? Mr. Whippy? Mr. Whippy. Mr. Don't Whippy. do that. And start making nut milks and be amazed at how beautiful they are and, and how they can they can substitute. Mm. With the hurum, it just makes it so much easier. I was just having too many processes happening with the Thermomix. And I, and I don't have time for that. And that's why I went and bought myself... Um, note, uh, note the myself. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I think on that, that note, note, well, hang on, 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 I'm, I'm going to give you oh, a date. Here we go. So okay. this is coming out today, the 11th of June. Um, so we'll give it one, 2013. So we can only talk about, we need, how, how many days do you need for people to say how many they want? It won't come out the 11th of June. Okay, so for those of you that are interested in getting a hurum, along with Karen and I, because... We never got one, or neither was it mentioned, but now we are the type that are actually sharing with you the information because that's the kind of people we We are. We are, not like Cindy. No. So we're saying that you will have until Monday, the 1st of August at 5pm to email into Changing Habits. Um, This will be all up on our Facebook page. Um, But just if you're interested in getting a horum with us, then you'll need to get in touch with the Changing Habits office. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll have that all up here. In fact, you'll see it underneath this, where you download this. We'll mm. have the information. It'll be right there. It'll mm-hmm. be right there. And it'll Definitely. also be on the Facebook page, so make sure that you check it out. Yeah. All right, so we're good. Our work here is done by the looks of it. Not only have we humiliated Cindy, we've, <laughs> we've, ordered, we've ordered a hurum. We've, we've ordered hurums. We've re-educated the yes. marketplace yes, on would how... would you like to come over for a cup of tea? I'd love to, love. Yeah. Should Maybe. we do that now? Oh, I want to be lovely. White noise. White noise. White noise. I actually want everybody to know why we never have cups of tea together. Because last week you were in Perth, I was um, here, and you were in New Zealand, and then yeah. the so, week so before... So, again, note, it uh, thinks about inviting us for a cup of tea when it knows <laughs> that we are not around. How mm. convenient. Because mm. she knows... She doesn't need to invite us for a cup of tea. All right, I have an idea. We could do the podcast at my place next time, and I will make you. Okay, done. You done? Easy. Uh, Easy. All right, you're on. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, good. You're happy. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, on that note, we must finish, girls. Come. Okay, so do us a favour. Jump onto the Facebook page. Let us know about your hurrah. And you're going to find us on the facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Or you can also visit us on thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat, where we'd love to hear all about your stories, your ideas on dairy, recipes on ice cream. Mm, 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 mm. And join us next week on Up for a Chat and be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you on the ride.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Lawrence Tam here from The Wellness Guy Show. You know, the big ahas in life happen mostly when we're out of our normal everyday environment, right? If you're in need of some big light bulb moments, and want to do it in a very luxurious surrounding like Fiji, well, I got something for you. Alfred Chakros, Kim Morrison, Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, and my boys, the Damien Kristoff, Brett Hill from the Wellness Guys, and myself will be hanging out at the Western Resort and Spa in Fiji. We'll love to have you to be part of our first BFO wellness retreat in September. We're taking a small group of people to immerse themselves in discovering life purpose, physical health, and well-being. It'll be three days and two nights of unforgettable memories, definitely some massive breakthroughs, and of course, we're going to have lots of fun. For more information or book your spot, please go to shop.thewellnesscouch.com. That's shop.thewellnesscouch.com, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Take care.